I mean, that's the sad irony of the last four years is I've advocated for so long for women to use their voice. And then I was silent. Um, were you silent or were you silenced? Were you silenced? Were you silent or were you silenced? only just be. Hey everyone, welcome back to Pretty for a Black Girl. I am your host, Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the space where we get to talk about mental health, destigmatize it, and help each other heal in the process. So I had a totally different episode planned for today. It was on antidepressants, and I still plan to debut that likely um, in the next episode, but from time to time when something is, you know, just super heavy on my heart or time sensitive, you know, I'm gonna flip it and reverse it and talk about something else. And today that is going to be the Meghan Markle, Oprah and Prince Harry interview. No, 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 wait, wait, before you press pause, I know what you're thinking, girl, I've seen the memes or I've seen the highlights or I watched it. I don't really need a play-by-play. Great. I don't think you do either. That's not what I want to listen to. This is really more about like the big takeaways I had as a viewer. You know, Jordan and I, we sat down, we watched it last night. I could not look away. It was something I thought I didn't even need to watch it because I'd seen the highlights, but it was incredibly important, powerful. I thought Oprah would give softball questions. She did not. And I thought Megan would give rehearsed, polished answers. She did not. I mean, I'm sure she... They were semi-rehearsed, but they were nonetheless exposing and, oh God, so raw. So with that today, I want to talk about the three big takeaways I had from the interview. You know, the nuggets that are going to stay with me this weekend that I'm going to like replay on loop over and over again and likely take into the next season of life and kind of flesh those out and talk about the reminders that there is a Meghan Markle in all of us. And she deserves to be freed. Let's get into the first big takeaway. So takeaway number one, you can feel there is no way out, even when seemingly the world is at your disposal. Not that I was thinking about Meghan Markle's mental health on a regular basis, but if I had been, I think I just would have assumed that she had the world at her fingertips, so... If she said, I have a headache, she'd have, you know, the best aspirin. If she had morning sickness, she would have the best pregnancy doctors. (laughs) Obviously, I've never had a kid. Very sorry if that's not the right doctor. So when somebody says they are suicidal, I mean, I would just assume she would have the best caretakers in the world, um, you know, at her beck and call, helping her, getting her on the best treatments, getting her the best medication if that's what she wanted. So I was just shocked to learn that while she had proximity to those tools and those aids, you know, she didn't even have the empowerment, encouragement, or the permission to take advantage of that. And I think the reason that really stuck with me is because that means that mental health is still so taboo that when you can do something about it, you are told not to do something about it. And if a duchess can't even... Uh, tend to her mental health without scrutiny, 
how in the world is you know the commonwealth as commoners how are we supposed to feel empowered and then i think even to go a little bit past oh mental health has a stigma which we all know the other thing about feeling like there's no way out when the world is seemingly at your disposal is and i'm so embarrassed that i think this but i again i wasn't like thinking about Meghan markle every day but i would have likely assumed even on her hardest days that death wouldn't feel like the only exit plan that maybe she would feel like there's more options and that takeaway is important because whether or not you have other options in reality intangible reality your reality is that you don't and as someone who has attempted suicide myself and deals with suicidal ideation I know that feeling really intimately and I think that's the thing that's hard is so so often people will say you have so much to live for and for me I'll speak for me I can understand that intellectually but it is something that feels so out of reach and you know I think sometimes people think suicide can be a very selfish act and while I'm not necessarily here to talk about whether or not it's selfish I personally do not think it is the irony of it is and I know Megan said this in her interview those thoughts come to you because you feel the selfless thing to do would to just make yourself go away because you know you feel like a burden on everyone like it would really make everyone's life easier and you know you hear that and it sounds so like angsty like 17 year old angst like oh my god like it would just be so much better if I just wasn't here but like that is what it feels like like okay you know I'm probably putting this stressor on this person and this other person is having to deal with my stress as you know a friend or a spouse or you know a daughter or whatever it is and it was a really powerful reminder I think to myself as somebody who has been in that position before but also I'm sure to somebody who has never had a suicidal thought even for that person to hear you can literally be a mother effing princess or duchess and depression will get your ass so hard you know for me the takeaway was you can be surrounded and still feel so alone so don't assume so this is for me but also hopefully for listeners don't assume that oh my gosh well i mean she's not destitute so there's probably a thousand other options before suicide you know for so many of us that's just not the case Takeaway number two, toxic family members, no matter how powerful, are not entitled to your loyalty or your presence. So I started seeing a new therapist and one of the big things we're talking about is boundaries. She noticed that I would often say things like, they make me feel, they make me feel. And she said, ah, 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 like, it's not so much what other people make you feel, it's what are the repercussions if somebody goes out of bounds? What is the course of action if somebody disrespects your boundaries? And to kind of take it away from me and back onto the royal family, you know, for Harry, after a while, it was... 
You've disrespected the bounds of my marriage, respecting my wife, and that means you don't get to see us and work with us and that, you know, space has to be enforced. And I think space is such a important self-preservation move, but so often we are made to feel guilty for taking that space. So again, us common commoners, we're, we're guilt tripped. Like, but that's family, but family is family and you have to, and you oughta, and you should be grateful for. And then I can't imagine on top of that, you know, for the royal family, you have millions, maybe a billion people weighing in on your family affairs. Takeaway number three, your spouse is your advocate. I already liked Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, but after this interview, it is, oh my gosh, just the way they both look at each other and that, you know, you'll hear like, oh, they're my rock. Like, they really are each other's rocks. And you can tell they carry each other and that they are soulmates and so in love. But this isn't a Megan and Harry, like, gush sesh. Although if you want to have that with me, hit me up in the DMs. So anyway, the takeaway is your spouse is your advocate because I don't know if most people get to experience that in their partnerships. Call it narcissism, call it ego. So often people are like, oh my God, you like people can't know that. You know, to kind of give a little bit of background, part of why I choose Jordan, because yes, the cliche is true. Marriage is not easy and you choose the person every day. I choose Jordan, one of the many reasons, because he is very supportive, especially of the work I do, the things I speak about. And yeah, he's my number one cheerleader, but he's also my number one caregiver. And, you know, whether or not I, oh, you could get that from anyone, you know, that's just, that's not what my history has been. You know, throughout our marriage, my mental health has suffered and it has been scary. And you need somebody by you who is not going to tell you to snap out of it or, you know, walk around the block. It's, you need somebody who's going to take it seriously and help you and care for you and believe you and really be there. Be there physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I know that is something that so many women don't have, especially if they are with a partner who sees mental health as something you don't speak about. And I can't imagine the psychological torture that must inflict on somebody going through their own bout of suicidal ideation or depression or anything. So the biggest takeaway is that as partners, you know, whether you have someone now or you don't or you want to or you don't want to, but you hope to have, you know, companionship. You know, we have a responsibility as friends and partners to really listen when people speak to really to a degree bear their pain on our shoulders you know i get so torn between if we're responsible for people's happiness we're really not however i think we're responsible to redirect people toward their health and happiness
So those were my three big takeaways from the Meghan, Harry, Oprah interview. If you have other big takeaways that stuck with you or stood out to you that you're taking with you, you know, post-interview into the world as a commoner, totally hit me up on social media. You can find me at forablackgirl.podcast on Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Jasmine Reed Clark. And I will see you guys every other Sunday right here, Pretty for a Black Girl. Bye! All's impossible to do, reciting.